Husker Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco Realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. So going back to what you were saying about the older construction and the older materials and all that, this doesn't have to do with materials, but we do a lot of sales and new construction and people often ask us, well, should I do an inspection and, or even a resale on one of, you know, a 10 or 15 year old condo building downtown. Well, um, people will say, should I do an inspection? And one of the stories that I will often share about a brand new construction building is one of the buyers insisted upon doing an inspection and the inspector went in looked around, looked at the outside of the building, every single window in the building had been installed backwards. Oh my gosh. I mean, how that happened? Yeah, now it makes you wonder, did this, because you have to go through a rigorous city inspector process as a contractor. There's rough and there's all kinds of inspections as a contractor you go through. I almost wondered if it was urban legend. Because yeah, that one I'd have to see. I've seen, um, more often than not, when I find something that is that blatantly backwards, so to speak, it's not during the original construction, but it's something that happened during a, uh, some kind of a renovation or remodeling project. Yeah. I've seen like patio doors that ran backwards. And what they did, they ordered a door and they wanted it to slide right to left instead of left to right. And once they got it, they realized they had the wrong door and the company wouldn't take it back. So they just put it in the other way around. And it's, you know, try and reverse the lock set. And it's like, well, they don't realize anyone could just come along and lift the door out of the track. It's yeah. not really doing anything anymore. Well, there was this a, is your decorative safety. System <laughs> here. There's a, a building here in town that was converted from an old hospital into condos. I'm sure you yeah. know the building. And it was probably about 20 years ago or so. One of the buyers insisted upon doing a tank inspection and the HOA was like, Oh, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. Blah, blah, blah. But he did it. There were five. Yeah. Yeah. So for those that don't understand, at one time, San Francisco used oil as a fuel source rather than natural gas. And it had to be stored somewhere. So they had underground tanks and the big truck would roll up and the guy would drag a hose and fill these things up. Then as time marched on, these went away, but a lot of the tanks were left. There's a good company in town that used to do all the tank inspections and these guys were busy. They'd go out and they'd find them and dig them out and had to pay, you know, because now it's an environmental disposal fee. That company went from multiple employees. I think there's two or three guys left. Because they've removed them all. Because they're all gone. Or damn, they're all gone. So Yeah. Occasionally, um, they're still found in pack heights. Yeah, you'll find them here. And And that, again, is part of the old neighborhood. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of other stuff that's gone. The big buildings downtown used to have water tanks on top. Those are all gone. They use pumps now. So there's a lot of changes that have occurred over the decades. Uh, Just watch any old movie from the 50s or 60s, and you'll see that stuff. Oh, yeah. Like New York. There used to be tanks on buildings. Interesting. They don't, yeah. Well, then there's one Rincon where there's the the tank on the top to, as a as a stabilizer. Yeah, yeah, that's that's an engineering thing. Yeah, so, yeah. We're not going to drain that water. No, right, right, right. But yeah, that's how these things work. Um, I think again, if we talk about the importance of the inspection, so we've talked a little bit about termite inspection. Um, we've talked about some of the stuff I do as a home inspector. Tank inspection now is one. There might be an additional inspection to do at some point. Sewer laterals, people love the the camera. Right, inspecting the the main sewer line because it's below grade. You can't see it. What kind of shape is it is? And it's interesting in the Bay Area, some localities actually require it as a point of sale mandate, I believe. Pacifica. Pacifica, you know, it's it's interesting. And some cities just... 
Yes, yeah. some do, some don't. Um, well, in the older buildings, those pipes were made of clay, and clay after 80, 90, 100 years isn't going to be in the same shape as it was when it went in. So what you're doing, again, is gathering information. Okay, has the saddle bit is still working? Fine, I can live with that. But is it at the point now where I have to dig it up and replace it? Okay, how much? How much is that going to cost me? And that, again, is bringing information to, to the transaction or to the purchaser in this case. Doesn't the city still use clay pipe for, like, the... Uh, not the laterals, but for the they they will use it, it's more of a not clay clay like they did back, but it'll be a cementitious product of some sort. But what they have now is it's all reinforced. Yeah, no, the whole idea is anything they bury in the ground now they want to know we can have an earthquake and it's not going to do anything. So there's all sorts of different ways they can do this. Uh, the engineering has changed quite a bit. So I have to ask. Can you say, like, have you ever come across something that you wish you strange? could unsee? <laughs> well, people are people. And um, I have commented, like, in other words, I have to really, you know, if someone's occupying a, a unit that I'm looking at. I'll explain to them, okay, I'm looking at walls and ceilings. I'm looking for earth shattering news, stains, leaks, cracks, that kind of stuff. Is there anywhere you don't want me to go or can I make myself at home? And you'll hear, no, go ahead. And sure enough, you open the closet door and it's like, oh. You did realize I was coming here today, right? Like, you just could not have gone into a box or something. <laughs> so we won't say why, but we know what was in there. Well, there um, was a um, there was an agent uh, back when I was brand new in the business who got up at our sales meeting and he announced, "Well, I've got you know such and such address," and I think it was in Noe Valley, you know, single family home, and it's going to be coming on the market in a few weeks. And people were very excited about hearing about this place. And he said. But it won't be ready for a few weeks because they have to take out the S and M dungeon. Yeah. <laughs> like you know, hundred agents just crack up because okay, yeah, I mean, yeah, seen it, yeah, 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 yeah. Welcome to the city. well, if you're gonna live in a big city, that's it. Um, for the viewers listening, um, it's interesting how many of us are transplants. So uh, you know, and I, I will ask, and I do that on purpose because I want people to understand how a building is going to behave. So uh, more often than not, I do get a bit personal, but it'll be, are you native or somewhere else? And they're pretty open about it. And I always like to know, do you come from somewhere where you have lots of weather, like freezing cold and hot and humid? Because that really wreaks a lot of havoc on a building. And yeah. I mean, building tr like building standards vary across the nation, right? Like what, you know, how they build it in California and because our weather concerns and issues are not kind of like what they're doing down in you know, Texas versus right. you know, North Dakota um, versus East Coast. I mean, with, in general, it's all the same, but, you know, there's some variations about, obviously, you know, water tightness and earthquakes. Yeah, yeah, right. In, in new construction, yes, absolutely. But in the old days, no, they pretty much just all read from the same book. And that was it. It was not uncommon if you get into history. Homes came as kids and you could order a home. All the timbers were pre-cut. Everything showed up on horse or on wagons. And you could almost follow the numbers. Um, there are homes where you'll get on there and look at some of the framing, and you'll see the joists numbered. Oh, wow. And it's almost like the um, paint-by-numbers. Paint yeah, paint-by-numbers oh, only uh, in construction. And I think oh, Sears – I've got a book of some of these because uh, I'm a little bit of an amateur historian. So uh, you can do that. But in the old days, no, it was kind of everyone followed the same rule. Prior to 1900, it was not uncommon to not even have a foundation. They would literally – they would lay down – Two very law, large redwood logs, 
put floor joists on top of this and and build from there. So now, was did something was this a result of the quake that suddenly people decided foundations were a good thing, or was it just like a, a trend? I mean, good question. Like, do you have any idea? That's I, I so think crazy it was. Yeah, I think it was uh, the concept of a foundation. I think was really just to elevate the house up off of the ground. Redwood, though, when they did this with these large redwood logs, these would have been very old trees, and they had so much tannin in them that it took decades and decades and decades, sometimes even a century, and they're still good. So there's a church up in Marin. There's a lot of weddings there. It's up on the hillside. I think it's near yeah, – I forget. No, I'm going to have to look it up. But it's still sitting on a couple of redwood logs. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I remember back probably 16 years ago or so, you did an inspection for some clients of mine and you came out and the conversation was something along the lines of, it doesn't need a new foundation, it needs a foundation. <laughs> yeah, and right. uh, it was some, I think it was in, in the Castro Yeah, and because it was something yeah. like that and it was just sitting there. That's something that you, again, learn from experience. Um, again, those listening – because it's not visual. Um, when I show up, I have a three-foot-long screwdriver, which is really my favorite tool because I can use it to kind of pick and poke. And that's one of the things. If I'm in a certain part of town, I'll start prying along on a mud sill, which is that piece of wood on top of the foundation, really to see what's underneath there. Some of the homes in this neighborhood will have partial areas where there's no foundation. So if yeah, you get 75% of it, yeah, good enough. <laughs> and that was the mindset. Street, yeah. got 75%. Yeah. Right, right. Um, wow. But um, the difference between new and old is really vast. And that's why, you know, when I show up, I take a good look at the building. I'm orienting myself. What direction is all the wind-driven rain coming from so I can focus on that? Is this new building? Is it old building? And it's almost like there's a dial on my head. I'm turning. What am I looking at? Let's get your conversation ready to talk about this. And if I can go from one old house in the morning that I'm inspecting, and then I'm going to go look at something new. You just have to keep changing that part of your brain. And I mean, the, yeah. the other reality is, is you've been doing this a while, you know, the city you grew up here. Um, well, at first it seems like our diversity of homes can be overwhelming. At the end of the day, you know, there's not too many developers that built in this town. They built a couple styles. Our neighborhoods were built out at specific times. And you also know all of that history. And for example, like there were certain things used in like the Federal Pacific Electric boxes that were right, like right. all of the 60s, right? right? So right. it's just... Um, you've got this history there that's amazing. Right. It's uh, part of it I learned from experience, again, swinging a hammer. And that's um, not that I had the advantage over other inspectors, but it certainly is convenient for me because I know what I will see. I'll see something unusual, like a pipe sticking out of your ceiling. And someone will think, well, who's going to have plumbing coming out of the ceiling? Well, it's not. It's an old gas pipe from when you had gas lights. So you just learn after a while, what am I looking at? What am I seeing? Uh, once in a blue moon, I'll find one with an old fixture on it, and it still works. Occasionally, yeah. we still see the um, the gas lamps that work in the banister. Yeah, yeah. those are cool. Yeah, they are. They yeah. are. There's no end to what you might come across when you're going through these. Do you have a favorite neighborhood in the city that you're partial to? Oh, it depends. Style, construction. I would or- say. Well, it's like anything. If this is your job, you want to have an easy day every now and then. And for me, the avenues. You know exactly what you're They're pretty easy. Yeah. I mean, you don't want to say, oh, yeah, I, you know, I showed up half awake. And, and right. Say, no, of course you want to focus on everything. But they're pretty basic. Um, a lot of those, for example, so if you look at the history end of this, there were a lot of homes that were constructed just post-World War II. Yep. And the whole idea is that you can get a sturdy, well-built house that's going to last for as long as possible, that it would be affordable, and that an average GI could buy this thing and have a family and, and 
get going. And they tended to overbuild them. So, again, some of the homes, like the Dolger homes, for example, the foundations are more than adequate. You look at the framing. Again, it's old-growth lumber, and it's just too big. They've oversized everything. There'll be a massive main beam going down the middle of the building, and there's one story on it. There's nothing there. I mean, you could move in a collection of pianos and still not affect it. <laughs> you know, and that's and that's what I like Actually, about it's these the things. piano collections. Like they're usually looking for the studio apartment, right? Right. Like, I've got right. three pianos that I can afford a studio, but we've all seen some strange stuff. Well, you were talking about or asking about um, unusual things. Yes. And sometimes you'll see stuff. There are people that are good with wood. I have hobbies. You know, I'll do stuff. You know, build things out of wood, but. Um, Someone will be crafty and they're doing something very clever, but it's just such a safety concern and I'll feel really bad talking about it. So I think one that sticks out in my memory was some guy who was a fairly skilled woodworker had made a covering to fit over a wall furnace and it made it look like kind of an artisan grandfather clock. And I thought it was just a piece of furniture and I'm getting through the inspection and I realized I can't find the heat system. Where is it? And he happened to be there and he says, oh, here it is. And he had hinged this thing so you could pull on a knob and it opened up. And I said, that's amazing. Look at this. This is great art. I said, that heater puts out so much heat. You can't have wood right around it like that. you got to have at least three or four feet you know, space on here. And the response was something to the effect, well, I'm an artiste and I don't acknowledge that. Now, Physics does not apply here. Yeah. And it's <laughs> – so there's – I forget the name for this, but if wood is heated up and then cooled down and heat up and cooled down, you do this long enough – the ignition point at which it can combust actually gets lowered. Because it's lost all its moisture. There, there's more to it than that. It, there's a name for this, and I'd have to go look it up. But um, that's why they don't want you to store your firewood right next to the fireplace and, and leave it there indefinitely because the heat from the fire is enough to dry it out. And it will get to the point. So rather than the normal ignition temperature that it would take to get it going, that gets greatly reduced. Now, nonetheless, building a wood box over your wall furnace is crazy. Probably not the brightest thing to do. Yeah, no. But it was beautiful. Yeah. It, well, it was a really good job. And that's why I felt really bad when I said, I got to write this up in the report. Whoever buys this, you can't have that. Anyway, he wasn't happy. We, so, saw, yeah. we saw one last year that in the kitchen, there was an Ikea table. And there was just in the middle of the kitchen floor, just a freestanding <laughs> Ikea table. There was a four burner gas range in it and they had drilled a hole in the floor and they had brought up a flexible gas pipe yeah. and it was zip tied oh. to the leg of the table right, right, right. and just psh, gas, yeah. flexible gas line um, and a table. And then you mentioned how this really isn't safe or code compliant and the seller's feelings were hurt. But it's worked. Right, right. right. There's been no well, problem. What that, that's wrong? a great answer. And I've heard that a lot. We've had it like that all these years. It's never been a problem. You bad person, you. And so my response to that is, you know what the farmer said when the mule died? No. Jeez, it never did that before. <laughs> <laughs> That usually stops them right in their tracks. Yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, I got you. Know, it's, um, all week and don't forget to tip your waitress. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Ask Her Out Loud is a weekly podcast about San Francisco real estate from the Jackson Fuller team, San Francisco realtors since 2002. Show notes with links are at jacksonfuller.com. Wow.